That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast rewatching and dissecting Batman v Superman one minute at a time. We have reached minute 74 in our adventure. I think we, we ended the previous minute with Clark Kent in a Gotham City police station staring at a cartoon claiming that Batman was the, well, I mean, literally the blunt instrument that the police wield. Uh, brutalizing or harming criminals batter up. Yeah, the Gothamville slugger. And now we move into what is going to be, I think, one of the probably like in terms of the the conversations that we've talked about in the themes uh, in this movie, like one of probably the 10 minutes that just spells out exactly what this movie is trying to get at. Yeah, I mean, basically since the nightmare, we've been really hitting this point home and then this is the minute where they kind of come out and say it so i don't know that we'll have a ton of new analysis so much as just to be like remember what we said in the last episode this is this is what they're saying here so with that let's get into minute 74 this is santos may i ask you a few questions he wasn't my husband but i know what he did but he was a father he was that too they took him out of Gotham Central. They moved him to Metropolis. But inside they know. They know the mark all over. Guards don't care. That's the judge. One man decides who lives. How is that justice? Uh, I, I, I want to point out because we ended up teeing this up perfectly in the previous minute with, uh, you know, a police policy of kind of letting the Batman do his thing because it was what they wanted to be doing. And, and here is Clark Kent kind of seeking out the truth and justice that, that we so desperately want him to, to see. And Lois has been trying to get him to see. And we had, we had the, the previous minute, he was just met with, uh, you know, the stone wall of, if you are trying to find out the truth behind these people that are being killed by being marked by Batman. Well, sorry, Clark. Every cop in Gotham is corrupt. No, no police have have any gray area here. It's us versus them, and they aren't going to do anything to help you get to the truth. <sighs> Cue Clark looking up from the cartoon and locking eyes with another police officer who nods directly to the, I guess, last you know kin of the the person that he's looking for, saying, "If you want answers, that's who you should be talking to." Yeah. It, it stands out for me. I want to give a shout out to Patrick O'Connor Cronin. I cannot make out the character's name on screen. Also, Sonia Crosby was uh, Officer Samuels, who is the cop we don't like because <laughs> she wouldn't give out the information. But with one look, this police officer implies not every cop likes what he's doing. And yeah. that this particular police officer, when faced with a journalist looking for the truth, says, this is literally what is left in the wake of what Batman is doing and what I guess police are condoning, uh, at least broadly enough to be in a cartoon and, and in newspapers, <laughs> pointing Clark to a, a woman carrying a, a screaming, wailing child that is clearly picking up the last effects of Caesar Santos. 
Yeah, I found it interesting that it's just it's like a it's just a small nod, so it's not like a huge deal, but that they do take the effort to be like, yeah, not all not all cops are like that, but the only one that at least that we see, like that's the most that he's willing to do is just this like small nod. Yeah, all I can do is point you in the direction. It it sets up again another major point we've talked about that we don't need to go too deep into depths here, but people are watching. And while they may mm-hmm. be silent, this cop knows what the actual right thing is. Right. And mm-hmm. and does what he can, which is send Clark off to go uh, interview – well, I interview – to go talk with Adriana Santos, according to the credits of the movie, played by Cruz Gonzalez Cadell, who has, I guess probably for lines, not only like some of the most memorable in this movie, but like the most plot pivotal. This is uh, – like I don't know how – more clearly to say this, Clark has gotten to the point where he literally, like, the words are coming out of him that we wanted, which is, help me change it, right? Like, yeah. help me with your words, like, speak to me. I'm doing the thing that I should be doing and trying to help the people here who are hurt, not to over-explain things that we've already explained at this point, but if there was any temptation to look at good versus evil as black versus white, no gray area... And and to to pick literally the most just hateable kind of criminal for Batman to commit to condemn to death, where we both said we would be totally fine with this guy being killed for being a human trafficker, mm-hmm. um, and that's what you're supposed to feel like. We get Adriana saying, "I know what he did, but he was a father too. That a person can be more than one thing, right?" Yeah. Well, and it's so weird that they could have chosen whatever they wanted, right? Like he could have been a drug dealer. A goon, uh, yep. Uh, and and that line would have, like, still worked, right? But they, they chose something that feels unforgivable. I don't know. Like, I feel like this is something that a lot of people might push back on just on the notion of, like, would somebody really react that way? And it's hard to know if you, if you don't, you know, how do you get into this person's shoes? But the reality of the situation is probably, like, now she, like, she's a single parent now. She has to take care of a kid. And so maybe... No, not maybe. I mean, definitely what he was doing was wrong. Yeah. Who knows if she knew about it or was complicit in it or not. I don't know, dude. Like, your husband was selling people, so... Yeah, I I feel like this is like a perfect storm of so many great ideas that inform what this movie is about and are examples of what this movie is about, like, while talking what it's about, that I don't trust myself to, to discuss all of them, but I feel like... That doesn't matter because people like it when they're brought up anyway. But the idea of a person being a part of something so terrible and also having a family that is now left injured in the wake of them being murdered, that doesn't make sense. Right. Well, and then to blame Batman for it, right? it's not like I just caught up with him. It's Batman is wrong for brutalizing people, not maybe he shouldn't have been trafficking people. Well, he shouldn't have been trafficking people, but the but the thing is, right, I mean, the world only makes sense if you force it to, and this is a thing that is, I don't like the idea that people who aren't necessarily all evil can do evil things, right? Like, mm-hmm. that is an inherently gray thing, but maybe a good person can do bad things. Can a bad person do good things? Where is a hero and where is a villain? Like, this is all the kinds of things we've talked about. Right. In this specific story, 
I'm assuming if someone was to stop and think, I'm going to guess Caesar Santos was not the third or fourth biggest one-man human trafficking operation on the eastern seaboard. Right. Like this is not it's, – it's shining a spotlight on the fact that what does Batman do? He goes out into the street and he beats up criminals and thugs and henchmen. A person with a with an eye towards like a social consciousness would probably say that people don't become thieves, stick up men, henchmen because they love doing it, right? right? Like it's a it's an element of well, what is crime? That's a good point. It's not like he was, it's not like he was abducting these people and trafficking them so much as maybe he had been to prison on a minor drug offense as a young man and yeah i mean who, I, and got in with the wrong had no you know had no choice but to get in with like the wrong people as a result and then then they held him accountable you know he had debts from prison there's so many different ways that that could play where where they say like no you stand here and you guard this house while we make the exchange and so the guy that batman ended up killing was the guy who was just trying to take care of his family and had to you know i don't want to defend what he did but it's it's a, it's a lot more complicated for him than it is for you know whoever the Whoever's actually making the money from well, the yeah, transaction. And, I mean, you know, case in point, like Bruce Wayne is a, in this instance, Batman was uh, brutalizing someone who was committing horrible acts. At the same time, a a billionaire was beating up someone from the lower classes of the city for what we even said at the time was like basically nothing. Uh, like, was Batman investigating a human trafficking ring? No, he was looking for the white Portuguese. Did the people that Caesar was working for or paid for get a p- repeat visit from Batman? I don't know. That isn't what he was concerned with. So yeah. in the words of Adriana, I know what he did, but he was a father too. Like, she, she's not even saying – she's not making an excuse for him, and that's the thing is neither are we. <laughs> Bruce, good people can be pushed to do very bad things. Yeah which is kind of an overarching theme of this movie. But in this particular example, I'll again, what she arrives at, you're speaking to bigger things here, which is one man decides who lives. Mm-hmm. How is that justice? Judge, jury, and executioner, he killed a, he committed a, a father to death. All of these things right. are true, right? And that was his <laughs> More than choice. One thing to be true. That wasn't up to a judge who got to hear her story, you know, yeah, it was irrelevant of the fact that he was a father. It was irrelevant of how and why he was there. It was, like you said, it was it was about the white Portuguese, not about the human trafficking. So he wasn't even doling out judgment for what he caught the guy doing. No, and that is the total thing. Like you said, if this was a a mugger or or, or who knows what, then we can say, oh well, yeah. I mean, it's not that hard to have empathy for someone who has turned to a life of crime on the street, but okay. What if I slide that scale a little bit further over to one side? Do you, mm-hmm. Is it still possible for you to have sympathy for them? Is it still possible mm-hmm. for you to see them murdered in prison and say, this actually isn't how things are supposed to work? And what I'm interested about here is that we've, we've talked about a lot about how, you know, obviously Batman is in the wrong. Um, he's not seeing things straight. Also, kind of, there's been a theme with with Clark, just kind of the idea of him. He's not looking, or he's not hasn't been aware of what's going on. And so, the sort of the question with this scene for me is: Is he hearing what he needs to be hearing? And is she right? Is she right that the only thing that stops him is a fist? Is that what Clark hears? Is that what he needs to hear? Like, what does he take away from this? And 
he is not doing everything he could do, going about it the right way at least, to prevent sort of ultimate conclusion of where things go in this movie. And so it's really curious of me to kind of wonder out why why that is. What is he missing here? Or is is this just Lex is pulling all the right strings? I mean, again, this is like a very loaded minute for me that I could talk about. But the choice of words here where she says, words won't stop a man like Batman, only a fist will. I want to call out because if I say... If if we conjure up through the dialogue of this movie the image of a fist stopping a man, I think you and I are both thinking about like the same frame of this movie. It was in the first minutes of the movie where it, a, a, seriously mm-hmm. a, a clenched fist was full frame. Mm-hmm. This is Thomas's mindset completely, right? What am I going to try and talk to a mugger? No. How do you mm-hmm. communicate with someone who is a criminal? Someone who is doing wrong and I know that they're wrong I'm going to deal with it this is the kind of man that will only be stopped with a fist I find that parallel really really great to call out because it puts Bruce it switches Bruce from the position of the person for whom the fist is being thrown into the person that will not see reason and will not hear words and will not be stopped unless the fist is thrown at them We'll get to that a lot more in the coming minutes about the idea of where Bruce has moved. I think this is just calling into, like we'd said before, um, the goal is to make you uncomfortable, right? The goal is to make you ask questions. And I think the most normal takeaway is someone would hear her say, yeah, I know what he did, but he's a father too. And that wasn't justice what happened. And you're supposed to sit there in your seat going, "Um, I mean, I guess she... Oh, I don't know how to feel about this. I don't know what sense to make of this. Yeah, because like you don't want to condemn the kid. Maybe her, right? Who Maybe knows? it's hard to feel bad for her. Obviously, the kid is crying this entire scene. Actually, I think it's it's funny because she she um sets him down on the <laughs> sets ground. Him down, yeah, <laughs> and I think the deck mentioned that in the commentary. Yeah, that kid's day was done on set. And then yeah, you just add in the sound of him crying. Where, I mean, yeah. yeah, the crying was great. But yeah, she she sets him down and he's off, which is just funny because like you don't just set <laughs> a kid down on the street and then unless she's holding his hand. But but yeah, but it's it's a lot easier to feel bad for for the situation the kid is in because he didn't ask for it and maybe she's deflecting some of that blame onto Batman instead of her if she could have you know maybe mm-hmm. chosen a better father figure or home for her son. Well, but yeah, who's who's to blame for the situation she's now in? But then also like with Clark. I think he's he's in the right place and he's asking the right questions. And we've been flipping back and forth between Clark and Bruce the past few minutes. And it's been very intentionally contrasted with Bruce's looking for answers of the um, the white Portuguese and telling Alfred there's a 1% chance we have to take it as an absolute certainty. He brought the war to us, all of that stuff. And then you have visually contrasted and like tonally contrasted, then you have um, Clark looking for answers and talking to people. And then you have this here where literally you have, they're both interrogating two halves of this scenario. You had Batman, judge, jury, and executioner for Caesar. And now you have Superman questioning his girlfriend and, 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 and Caesar's son is there, which once again provides the sort of the flip side of that scenario. And I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I don't, it's it's one of those things that like it's hard to come to a definitive conclusion about and that's the point right these are people we're talking about it's just continuing these these contrasting themes that have been going on for you know the past few minutes and 
we still don't have answers, but we do know they're continuing to show that it's maybe more complicated than Clark or us were ready for. Almost like some some cases or some things are not best solved by uh, one guy who hates criminals, <laughs> who <laughs> who speaks in extremist tones about absolute certainties, and then we get a nice reminder of like, well, no, this is actually real people and their right. motivations that we are literally talking about here on both sides of this. Yeah, well, in the same way that like Batman is totally like, he doesn't care about the human trafficking, he doesn't care about all that other stuff, he's just, you know, following his rage um, on, his, on this unrelated case. And then you have Superman here, or you have Clark as both Superman and as a reporter. And so there's a question of like, so why why is he here? He's not here to help her, right? He's not here to tell her story. He's not here to, like, he's, he's chasing Batman. He's not chasing the human trafficking problem in Gotham. He's not chasing the story of this widow. Um, he, he's, you know, um, and as Superman, he's not planning on coming in here and fixing any of that either. Yeah, like, I mean, in the same way that we say, like we're saying, like Batman didn't care about the human traffickers, but like, uh, well, we're we're gonna leave uh, Clark slash Superman here, so it's probably worth pointing out that he is attempting to solve this problem as Clark using words, um, and he is brought face to face with a a single mother whose husband has just been killed, and is now being told by her that what this guy is doing is wrong, which he also agrees. We we know that Clark feels that way. And that the only way that this guy is going to stop is with a fist. Mm -hmm. And that is where we leave Clark. We leave Clark. Uh, hilariously, we get some voice over of Perry White yeah. looking for <laughs> Kent and then literally end our minute on him just screaming Kent. Which is nice. I've missed Perry. So it'll be I nice to, to visit him for a few minutes. There's or no for, better uh, way to punctuate yeah. a minute. No, not at all. Um I will say I was I was sorely disappointed that the there were not more Easter eggs in the uh, the police station considering all the papers and stuff all over the walls. The only thing that I noticed, which isn't necessarily an Easter egg, but I just love it because I can't not hear it this way, is um the they have a list of rules on the wall and number one is no touching. <laughs> um so <laughs> no. <laughs> The one Easter egg that I could find, I don't I don't remember the, the year offhand, but our um our unnamed police officer played by Patrick O'Connor Cronin, as I mentioned, the the badge of the police force that he has on his shoulder has it's it's four numbers and it's a year that, that could be like believable as the year that Gotham was founded, but it's it's mainly possibly an Easter egg because it's the year that was published the Merry Tales of the Mad Men of Gotham. Pretty pretty great story, uh, just about the people that lived in Gotham in a in a village um, across the pond, who managed to avoid a meeting with the king so that their road would not be a public road. It's a whole, it, it, I, you know, apocryphal part urban legend, part kind of folk local folk tale and then that became a book that was then published and then um i believe it was washington irving if memory serves i'll have to check to this to make sure i'm right but i think he used that to refer to new york city as gotham oh um, okay and that was i don't know That's if he himself did it but it was um that was what began the tradition of referring to new york city as gotham so I don't. That is a heck of a pull. Although that yeah. is kind of the thing that a costume department would totally <laughs> get into. You know, like Gotham year um, would probably actually get you there. But who knows? I'll count that as a possible one. And yeah, uh, well, we end as all minutes should with 
Lawrence Fishburne in search of Clark Kent to deliver some more righteous slams. Yeah. We'll see uh, if he's successful in the next minute. But until we get there, minute 75. Whoa, that one actually is a milestone. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, in anticipation for that, in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it. You can follow us on Twitter at BVS by the minute to share all of your potential insults that Perry White would hurl at Clark. And um, if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. And Also, you can find us at SnyderMinute.com. Until next time, Minute 75. Kent! Where does he go? Where does he go, Jenny? I don't, I don't know.